0: So when I say I'm gay now, as you must know, it comes from a place of identity assimilation. Yeah. Obviously these traumatic experiences that have happened to me, I've had to resolve and work with them. And I, and I say this publicly and I say this in my manuscript because there's quite a number of young boys hmm. whom may not have the level of capital I have,
1: yeah.
0: but i in search of that truth.
1: What's up, everybody? My name is Kamganamaya. but welcome to the Don't Hold Back podcast. This is where we say it loud. Today, we are tackling a question of identity. I'm so grateful and so excited to be hosting one of my good friends. He is a clinical psychologist. He is also a traditional healer. He's also holding a degree in theology. He's also part of the LGBTQI community. That on its own, in terms of the introduction, there's a lot to understand pack he has spent a lot of time researching and writing papers pertaining to the topic around identity please help me welcome in studio analysis Siswana
0: hi anele Hello, Nozi. How are you? It's been, uh, it's been a while. Hey? It's been
1: a while, right? <laughs> now, Anir, before we get into the show, before we get in deep into our conversation, I am very interested in terms of what did you bring? There's an element that I'm excited about on the show where my guest brings in food or snack that means something special to them or there's a story behind it. So what did you bring?
0: I've brought a chicken wrap.
1: Okay. Oh, that looks very healthy, especially for my journey. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we are going to um discuss a little bit later mm-hmm. um in our conversation in terms of what is the story behind the rap. Okay. Mm-hmm. I introduced you as a clinical psychologist, mm-hmm. but also you have combined that part of your career with being a traditional healer. Right. Okay. I want to understand, uh, was it the... Uh, the intention from the start, or it kind of grew as the years went by, and how did you combine the two? Because I actually have never heard of a a traditional healer who is also a clinical psychologist. They're either a traditional healer or they're a clinical psychologist. So Mm. just talk me through that journey.
0: I think for me, this starts from, I come from a family of healers in the Eastern Cape called Amagwekha, that is, divine healers. Correct. And so by virtue of that, the idea of healing and helping people is something that I grew up with it. And there's always a sense of intuition that I've known that I've had Mm. over the times and over the years. I remember a lot of my childhood I had ruminations and deja vus, Okay. But I never fully understood what Mm. was that about. So my journey as a healer and this is where I, I like to draw the line to people to say, I'm not comfortable with the word traditional healer. Okay. I'm more comfortable with the word spiritual healer nice. or a spiritual advisor for the reasons that a lot of what we know of traditional healers, it's tied to
1: okay black
0: magic and everything else that doesn't work. And because I have not fully completed those rites of passages within the context of that will then call me in that. But in any case, even if I can complete that, I don't subscribe to the idea of traditional healing because it's confined Mm to herbs, it's confined to that which is centered around black magic. Whereas a spiritual healer accommodates space for different worldviews of spiritualities. Rather than one dominant spirituality, because people have the assumption that traditional healing is based on African spirituality that involves ancestors and all of that, and it's only limited to that. Whereas, in my view, and again, having studied theology, I have understood the multiplicity of God mm. and the identities that God embodies. Mm. So, I can't fully say I am a traditional healer because I don't subscribe to some ideologies and certain practices that align with that. Mm. And in my spirituality, it's very complex itself. Mm. Nkulele Zion, I was raised in Zion church that acknowledged both God, Amalose, our ancestors, Amatongo. So there was never a dichotomy in my family. So already I was assimilated to that integration. Mm. However, when I I became a teenager, I got drawn to Methodist and again because there's a strong methodist history in my family um, from my paternal side and my maternal side and i then got to reconcile later that my great-grandmother who is my spirit guide okay. her name was normal mm-hmm. also went to methodist so my inclination with methodism or being a methodist has a lot to do with my ancestral background okay. and that also adds value to the spirituality at some point I almost went to seminary for studying theology, as in theology, to be umfundis. Mm. And unfortunately, like, no, I can only go as far as certificate, which is it was an introduction that to get in a sense of what was this about. But after that, I realized, no, no, Uh, me being a pastor, I would have been a transgressive pastor. Mm. So like I'm queer, I'm gay, no ways. Mm. I do not like to be told what to do, (laughs) no ways. I do not want to be broke, mm. you not know, to say that pastors are broke, Yes. but I love self-life like no ways. So I got to understand that my gift of healing has always been centered around spirituality and hence the integration. Now, I went to Rhodes University and at Rhodes, there's no, nothing else that speaks to African spirituality or African psychology. But I've always asked myself, what is the kind of psychology that black people have? And I know it's there. Mm. And that began from having me to study my master's. And my master's dissertation was on Uluwalu course. Yes. That is Kosa Initiation. I wanted to understand what is the psychological significance of this rite of passage? Mm. Because I wanted to demystify that it's not about the cutting of the foreskin. But I also had questions as to what this means for identity. And this is where psychology got in. Three years ago, I had a personal encounter With my calling as a healer and that's where it became more prominent because i'd be sitting with the patient Mm -hmm. but i'll have this script on the other side that tells me about this person
1: that's what i wanted to understand (laughs) thank you thank you for for covering that or, or or just touching on it because coming from a very conservative and you know this very conservative background we went to church no traditional ceremonies where um you know performed for us and we grew up very quite close off Mm. and the fact that by doing those traditional um ceremonies or worshipping ancestors it was wrong right Mm. so now um someone who grew up in a similar background and and hearing your background and and hearing how you infuse and you combine the two immediately they're like okay I'm not going to consider him as a clinical psychologist that's definitely for show how did you handle that?
0: So when you come to me I'm very clear I'm a clinical psychologist I'm very clear I operate within my scope of practice but I can't silence and denounce who am I as a person mm. So I make it very known to people that I am a clinical psychologist Do I look like a healer No mm. I have dressed up to assimilate that identity However Anything else that then comes with that, for me to be able to do readings or to be able to connect, I need that moment of provocation and to be able to create an environment. So my readings would then happen in a separate environment that is not clinical. Mm. However, it benefits both worlds. So if I do have a message about you, Mm. I will hold space for that message. And then after a session or so, I would say, please consider A, B, C, and D because it might be something that you may need to look at. Mm. Hence, in my scope of working, part of my referral system involves traditional healers, Mm. involves spiritual healers, involves mediums, Mm. involves psychic mediums and prophets. So that to say, as much as I've seen this, the best possible person beyond a psychiatrist, beyond a doctor it may be worthy of you to consider doing this. Okay. And in fact, it is a huge capital for me to be infusing and in integrating this because a number of my clients always say, as privileged as we are, as, because I work with predominantly high affluent people, mm. but they say, I want a psychologist who's not just clinical because of certain representations and embodiments mm. that play out in the room. I've got an exodus of patients that come from other therapists that say, I'm tired of being asked, how am I feeling? Mm. But I can ask that question in a different way. And right in there, there's just something inherently unique about the way that I've seen it's working. I have more people, new intakes every day than follow-ups, which shows that there's a need for this particular niche that in my social representations on social media you're going to find the healer and to be quite honest that nausea has became my sh- largest capital mm. i have brand endorsements mm. i have talks not so long ago i've been doing corporate talks yeah that are asking what's the place of african spirituality in corporate because there are these expressions and embodiments of the particular kind of how you express and experience and interpret what African spirituality looks like. I take it far beyond than it just being what people call ancestral worship. Mm -hmm. There isn't ancestral worship. There's ancestral acknowledgement. Okay. That we understand that these people lived. They are in community with God on the other side. Okay. But this community exists within constructs of African spirituality. Mm. They are conduits of communicating what is of the spirit that I can't access. Hence we would say amadlozi Zamatongo, communicate through dreams. They are a conduit to say we're going to give you something that looks like an indication then go and explore it. That's why in African spirituality we've got people who are seers and people who are dream interpreters mm. who are who then become conduits of that so now if you're going to say african spirituality we're talking of expressions here that is the rituals mm. we're talking of embodiments things that healers wear and how they used to wear and how they used to live right so i'm a representation of modern and a representation of what we can call traditional, but I have found spaces of convergence because I live in Joburg. Mm. My assimilations are like that. However, I'm a rural boy. When I go to Mount Frey, where my ancestral lineage is, you would not believe it's me. So I've happened to have lived in different worlds in my imagination. And that helps me to be able to assimilate in different spaces.
1: Now, our country is very diverse. Right, lots of different people. We have different journeys, and we're, we've been able to embrace that. But there are certain things that we still are quite closed off on. Mm. Now, when are you have just been able to combine <laughs> all of these things, <laughs> I just want—I just want you to talk about. Uh, have you had any challenges?
0: It's effortless. Really? Mm. I'll tell you why it's effortless. I have always been a curious person. I have always questioned, hence I became a psychologist. But thanks to capital, and I'll, I'm going to use this word capital, because I had had the privilege of being to university, and for my postgraduate, I went to Rhodes University. For the first time, I was introduced to quality education about thinking, and Rhodes, they're very philosophical about things. So Rhodes gave me what I call language capital to name things. Okay. That were already there, but I was able to name them, but also to to assimilate into different kinds of identities. Post that, I became a psychologist, and then I joined an academic community. I became an, a lecturer at UJ for three years, but I was in an academic institute for five years. But that way of thinking and reading mm. introduced me to something called intersectionality. That is studies about convergencies, meeting points, okay. crossroads, mm-hmm. that our beingness is located in intersections. Mm. So I understand my intersections of my race, intersections of my culture, intersections of my spirituality. Now, intersections of my sexual orientation, gender representation, mm. and embodiment. Mm. I've got to understand that deeper. Now, people always ask, me, why do I say I'm queer? Know, that's a, that's a, a nice way of using language capital, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Because we speak of queer theory, uh, we speak of queer identities and all of that. And to be quite honest, I only became comfortable in my queer journey after a number of years. Okay. Um, our Ubuntu days, I was in the closet thinking that I'm in the closet but I've always inherently known I'm not attracted to females okay but I didn't have the language for that however over time I read and I got oh I heard of the word there's a show that used to play called Rikiri uh, Rikiri uh,
1: Lake Rikiri Lake yes. yes
0: and I found these guys who were talking about coming out and I heard of the word gay okay and that's when I like oh Clearly, I'm gay. This is what makes me attracted to other boys. But the journey, and I'm writing a manuscript at the moment, part of the working title of this manuscript is In Search of Truth. Mm. I had an unfortunate incident. I'll call it unfortunate. I was repeatedly sexually molested. Mm. But in what I think of it as I write, I was sexually I was raped, basically, mm. by a family member was an extended family member. But because already there was a name I was given called Uputsisi or Emofi. Mm. And I thought that is what is being done to Emofi. Mm. So for the longest of time, in trying to understand what was going on with me, and to, to the point that I would even go to the abuser myself, and he would take advantage of that. And there was a point where it got to be kind of manipulative giving me money. But because I grew up as a child that was quiet and non-vocal because I've always been insecure, and in therapy I'm trying to understand where this insecurity comes from. So I don't think I was noticeable enough to, to realize that this child was going through so much. Mm. But there was a point where I was hypersexual. Okay. Um, sleeping around. I was in search of something in search of truth that I wasn't aware that it had affected me psychologically. Until I went to therapy, adversity, there was just something about over-sexuality and being hypersexual and always wanting sex, sex, sex. Until my therapist asked me, had it not been for the sexual penetration, would you still call yourself gay? And for the longest of time, I had to grapple with that because what happened to me, I was sexually penetrated by another man mm. that was unconsented sex and all of that. So I thought that which then came with butsisi or being gay comes with that. Yeah. However, the element of identity about self-acceptance and knowing that it could probably be even prior my sexual Um, Molestation that I felt this way. Mm. It's just that the sex part, because it was rape, it's traumatic. Mm. So, my responses and ways of fighting this, the hypersexuality and sex, was my way of fighting for my control. Till to this day, for me to have healthy sex, I need to be on the frame of mind am I fighting? Am I in search of control? Okay. Or am I just enjoying intimacy? Mm. So the fine lines of intimacy, the fine lines of sex, the fine lines of identity, for the longest of time it has taken me this journey to be fully aware and accept that I'm queer, Mm. I'm gay. It's just that that experience of my life, it complicated my teasing out, of the way of how I've seen myself. So when I say I'm gay now, as you must know, it comes from a place of identity assimilation. Yeah. Obviously these traumatic experiences that have happened to me, I've had to resolve and work with them. And I, and I say this publicly, and I say this in my manuscript because there's quite a number of young boys mm. whom may not have the level of capital I have,
1: Yeah.
0: but are in search of that truth. Am I truly gay or am I responding to what happened to me?
1: Yes. I actually, um, a while back, we, I was invited to an event um, where they asked me, you know, to share my story and, and all of those things. So I, I stood up, I went on stage. As part of my introduction, I said, I'm, I'm living positively with HIV. Right. And and after that, I I shared the story and um, just after my talk, um, one of the the preachers went up and said, you must never say that you are not living with HIV. Do not have any ownership um, of HIV in your body. The reason I'm I'm sharing the story is because when you said when I say I'm gay, it is, I've gone through the identity of knowing who I am. Exactly. I've gone through the identity of acknowledging what happened to me and also defining all of those, all of these things and what they mean to exactly. me. Exactly. And so it's exactly when I say, I'm living positively with HIV. It's not owning the HIV, but it's understanding there's a journey that took place.
0: Exactly. For and
1: me to even say that.
0: Yeah, and, and unfortunately, You've asked me if, do I find it easy? I always say maybe because of the capitals I have. Church, I'm prominent in the Methodist church. Mm. I've done things, I've been in committees because of the way that I am. But for a general person who doesn't have the level of capitals I possess, it's, difficult. it's a very difficult thing. And for me to be accepted as a healer who operates in African spirituality There are some patients that have left Mm. after discovering that I am Mm. because it's not a world that they're subscribed to, Mm. but I let people be, but I can't emphasize the importance of self-negotiation and coming to terms with who you are.
1: There is a young person, early 20s, who is not sure whether they should be thinking about what identity means Mm -hmm. Um, to them or for them, how do they define who they are without feeling that they are leaving their cultural or traditional, you know, values or background behind? At that age, do you feel like already they should be thinking about those things or, listen, you're too young, just go with the flow and then you kind of sort yourself out in your your late, you know, 20s or early 30s. What do you have to say about that?
0: So if you think of developmental stages, there's a stage where we call it conflict and resolution. And there's a stage about identity negotiation. Um, it's Eric, Erickson's stages of development, where at a certain age, you start questioning self. Why am I this? Why do I feel this? And why do I feel that? And it's most of the time when people try to figure things out and explore. other people can either resolve it, some they get fixated in there. But if you think of kids of today, They're exposed to so much Mm -hmm. that gives them the capital to be able to negotiate Mm -hmm. what identity means. If you're thinking of a queer child or a child that expresses themselves in non-binary ways, it's so easy for them to assimilate. You see wearing weaves, Mm -hmm. putting on makeups, because there is an assimilation of identity that's accessible. I can see... Different people like Lassie's in different ways. So where we are now, it helps our young teenagers and adolescents to negotiate their identities within what's accessible Mm -hmm. and normative. Yeah.
1: Yeah okay and we you shared a lot you know on your expertise and i uh, just want to do a short short game just to uh, break it off a bit and we'll continue afterwards so we call this part of the um, podcast rapid fire questions um very short time i'm going to give you a couple of choices and you basically just choose what will you go with so the first one um binge watch your favorite tv series or movies or cook a great meal with great meal! Oh, me too. <laughs> you won a mini lottery. Um, you buy outside or fine dining at a fancy restaurant?
0: Definitely fine dining. At a fancy
1: I knew restaurant. it. <laughs> <laughs> you already said you like the soft life, okay? I do. <laughs> um, day with family or night with friends?
0: <laughs> no comment. I'm in a different space now you in a
1: different space That is like I actually I, I knew That was going to be An interesting um, um, question for you Okay Reading the Bible Or catching up On the latest Psychology research
0: Latest psychology research
1: You've got a free weekend What are you doing?
0: A soft life Okay <laughs> <laughs>
1: Are you a night owl Or an early riser? Ele riser. Okay, no, yeah. I'm more of like a, a night owl. Um, What language do you dream in?
0: Both, actually.
1: Okay. <laughs> My ancestors are
0: that bougie. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I love that. Now, Anele, as as we're wrapping up the show, so <laughs> would you encourage more of the diverse journey that you have kind of gone through?
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm for intersectionality and moving parts coming together. I always say, when I joke with my psychiatrist. I'm thankful to God that I have ADHD. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I have adult ADHD. Mm-hmm. Um, It makes sense. Even though I had a, an accident, I didn't tell you when I was young, I was hit by a car and it damaged, mm-hmm. fractured the side of my brain, um, sort of my, my, my skull, and then I had to go through. I, I stayed in hospital for quite some time, but they never diagnosed me then because. They only treated the physical manifestations, but I I remember I repeated grade one because I was sick, but also I couldn't catch up. And with ADHD, task completion, you get stimulated by different things, Mm. right? And I then had to learn to streamline things. Hence, I even left corporate I left academia because there's so much structure in there. Yes. And I get frustrated, so part of the reason that I resigned it was because I couldn't s- stomach mm. structure because I didn't delay other people. The ideas around different things have been a blessing that blessing that I can't do one thing I get bored easily mm. so da in there and then and there has made my life exciting mm. so hence I say I, I'm thankful to that ADHD kind of picture because it adds flavor. The ideas about intersectional things and all of that. Mm. And so I've got a manager, I've got every people in my around my circle that helped me to manage my life, mm. but I still have control over it.
1: Now, most recently I wrote just like a a, a letter to my 20 year old self. I'm turning mm. 32 this year and just reflecting on the journey. You have had your own journey where it's up and down, whatever the case may be. The journey is still continuing. But now that you're at the stage that you're at, there's an anele that is, you know, watching you. There is an anele that is, you know, listening to you. What would you say to that person?
0: I'd say the opposite. Okay. Part of what people don't know, what I personally go through, and many others probably, it's the sad side of me. Um, I'm very hard on myself.
1: You are.
0: Um, I don't know, I'm becoming emotional, but I'm learning to be kinder to myself that mm. you might not have reached your destination, but you have it. Mm. Part of, again, on this chapter I'm writing, I write about the danger of preservation. That thing you're always in search of, you're always working, 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 because I never not want to have. So I have gone to extents of, abusing myself because I want to keep and be protected.
1: Because there's a fear of also not wanting to go back. I
0: never want to Ksogola again. But that has been my downfall. Hence, I would say to the Anilet that's going, hold space for disappointments. Mm. Hold space for understanding you don't have it all. Hold space for understanding you went to Wazakela High School. Mm-hmm. From Gaza Kela School, you we went to Nelson Mandela University. You have done so much that you must be able to acknowledge the little that you have done. Mm-hmm. But also, many people don't know. I get emails. We regret to inform you that hits hard on my ego. But I've learned to accept that you can't get everything in life. Mm-hmm. So my best lesson to the was upcoming is do everything with grace to yourself sure and always understand the empathy you give to others it must start with you first mm. the understanding you have for others it might begin with you but also create the highest reservation of preserving your energy
1: and I listen after all that jazz after all that conversation i want to taste the chicken wrap but before i do What is the story behind the chicken wrap?
0: So I've I've always had a very difficult struggle with my body image and desirability. Okay. There was a point when I was severely ill in 2017. I ended up taking medication, um, Epilem, which made me extremely big. And that year, 2017, 2018, 2019, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror.
1: Wow.
0: I hated my body Mm. because it was a sight of reminding me of my insecurities Mm. and how undesirable I looked. Mm. And you know in our black community, people saying, you're too fat, or some people say you've got money. Mm. And at that time, I was struggling with my mental health up until I had to let go of the medication and find something that worked for me. So the idea of healthy eating stems Mm. from Developing a healthy relationship with my body again, um, there was a point where I wanted to do lipo treatment so badly. Really? Because barely umkava is a side of my insecurity. Mm. Um, I said to myself, I can go for lipo treatment, but if I haven't reconciled the self hate I had, sometimes I still feel there's a part of me that's still trapped in that big body mm. that I never see myself as attractive and desirable. So over the years, I have been intentional about how I eat. I've been intentional about creating a healthy relationship with myself and my body. And to know that I'm desirable. Absolutely. Um, This is work.
1: Listen, every day. Okay. (laughs) So yeah, the story. I want to taste the chicken wrap. So I'm going to take one. You're going to take the other. Okay. No problem. Let's do this. Okay, great.
0: Even though this, uh, you know, in our culture, when we eat such things, eh? <laughs> mm. Mm.
1: Listen, I'm not also someone who's very um, healthy, you know? Because <laughs> I like my chicken nikini I like my chicken wings with extra sauce on the side. But listen, this is very nice. Mm. This wrap is really, really nice. Thank you so much for that. And I'm going to continue eating that wrap. <coughs> definitely thank you so much for joining us and i know for a fact that someone took something out of our conversation Mm -hmm. um thank you once again Annette. thanks nazi guys what a show what a conversation i am lost for words but i would like to thank you for joining us today this is a podcast in collaboration with dw jacaranda fm and east coast radio catch us on our youtube channel or anywhere that you get your podcast. Until next time, guys, I'm Nozibede Kamganamaya. Don't hold back. Say